This is the Gospel Lights broadcast. Ministry of the West Bay Wesleyan Holiness Church here in Northwest Point in West Bay of Grand Cayman in the Cayman Islands. We welcome you. For jo- Thank you for joining us here today and we trust that you'll be blessed from this service this afternoon. This week is a special uh, week for us here um, in the Wesleyan Holiness Church in West Bay. This is our revival services, which begins on Tuesday evening, um, September 17th, on through September 20th. The Reverend Philip Gums of Anguilla and his wife will be our special evangelist. They will be here. They'll be singing and preaching God's word to us. We look forward to you coming and sharing in this time of preaching and singing. Also, on Saturday, there will be a marriage seminar. Both of them will be speaking at the the seminar for couples. We invite all of you couples um, to come out and be part of that. It begins at 9 a.m. and on through until 12 noon. Breakfast and lunch will be served as well. We look forward to you also joining us on Sunday at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m., which will be the closeout of our revival service. And we would appreciate if you can make it to come and be with us. We believe that there's a blessing in store for all who comes, uh, who come and um, be part of this special revival service um, this week. Our pastor is the Reverend Brenda Wallach. She'll be speaking to us on let the peace of God rule in our hearts. You want to turn to Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 17. And we will bless you with a very inspirational number in song. He's the peace of my heart. He joy of my song, the giver of love. In Him there's no wrong. He's the author of salvation. Oh, 
Directing your attention this afternoon to Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. The Apostle Paul, writing to us, says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving, singing, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. This afternoon I want to talk to you about this phrase, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Peace is something we don't have much of in our world today, friends. But the Apostle Paul wants us to have peace ruling in our hearts and in our lives. He begins by telling us, let the peace of God rule, rule in your hearts. Now, notice that word rule. In the original Greek of the Bible, it is an athletic term, they tell us, that was applied to the officials of the games. We would call them umpires or referees today. They were the ones who controlled the action on the field of play. And Paul is telling us that the peace of God or the peace of Christ is to umpire or referee our hearts. His peace is to have the final say, the final word in any matter. Let the peace of God, of Christ, rule in our hearts. Remember what he said to the Romans in chapter 12 and verse 18 of Romans. If it be possible as much as lieth in you, Live peaceable with all men. And the Hebrew writer wrote, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which 
no man or woman shall see the Lord. So pursue peace. Do what you can to have peace. So what actually rules in our hearts? Well, if we worry and let it have its way, there will be no peace. If you let complaining and criticizing control you, there will be no peace. If you let guilt grip you, there will be no peace. If you let anger or bitterness or hatred or revenge or fear rule, there will be no peace. You know, for many years, Argentina and Chile had many, had, uh, many battles, and they were on the verge of war so much of the time with each other over a boundary dispute. And finally, they realized the horror and futility of a war between their countries, so they agreed to a peaceful solution. To commemorate this peace agreement in 1904, they melted down some of their cannons and used the metal to fashion a large statue of Christ on the mountain boundary between the two countries. Underneath that statue was placed this inscription, Sooner shall these mountains crumble into dust than the peoples of Argentina and Chile break the peace which at the feet of Christ the Redeemer they have sworn to maintain. So on this lonely mountain peak in the Andes, this huge statue of Christ stands at 12,572 feet on the border of Argentina and Chile. They call it Christ the Redeemer of the Andes. I tell you, friends, Jesus is the peace giver and the peacemaker in every life. Christ is also the Redeemer of our lives, to change lives for the better. And the Bible tells us that we promote peace by putting the needs of others ahead of our own. We promote peace by forgiving others who have trespassed against us and by seeking forgiveness from those we might have offended. I came across this prayer of a married woman that made me smile. She said, Lord, I pray for wisdom to understand my man, love to forgive him, patience for his moods. But Lord, I don't pray for strength because if I had strength, I'd probably beat him to death. Amen. (laughs) Well, no, that's not what we're suggesting today in this message. But we are suggesting and directing you that you promote peace. Do so by praying for people and with them. Promote peace by refusing to give others a piece of our minds. We promote peace by not grumbling and being difficult. We promote peace by seeking the good in people and praising them for it. We promote peace by telling others they are appreciated. So we have to choose whether we are going to be a peacemaker or not. The choice is simply up to us. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Then secondly, Paul says in verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly 
in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Does that say, let the word of Christ visit? No. Does it say, let the word of Christ be a guest in your heart? Most certainly it doesn't. You see, to dwell in you means to let the word of Christ take up residency in you. You are to appreciate one another and praise each other through the word of the Lord. If that happens in our lives, friends, then his word will help remodel our life, remake our priorities, reshape our thinking, and replace our old life with his new life for all eternity. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, Paul says. Someone wrote these powerful words. This book, talking about the Bible, is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Christ is its grand subject, our good its purpose, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Follow its precepts, the writer says, and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb, to a resurrected life in Christ, and yes, to glory itself for all eternity, adapted by Troy Borst. So friends, when it comes to the word of Christ, we need to love it, we need to learn it, and we need to live it. So get into his word so that his word will get into you. Last of all, the Apostle Paul tells us in verse 17, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Now he's saying there, therefore in whatever I do, I will seek to praise him. The Apostle Paul is perfect, perfect in example for this. Listen to what he, he says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Who lives in you today? Who lives in me? And who do people see when they look at us? The story is told of Gordon Maxwell, missionary to India, that when he asked a Hindu scholar to teach him the language, the Hindu replied, No, Sahib, I will not teach you my language. You would make me a Christian. Missionary Maxwell replied, No, 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 you don't understand. 
I am simply asking you to teach me your language. Again, the Hindu responded, No, Sahib, I will not teach you. No man can live with you and not become a Christian. Wow, friends, what a testimony to the life of Christ in this missionary man. You know, there are a lot of people who say that they have Christ in them, but no one recognizes it. Oh, may the Lord help us that Jesus will be seen in all of us. There are a lot of people who haven't found the joy that Jesus gives because they have not come to the creator of joy and have allowed him to fill them. Some never have a bubbling experience or an overflow of singing and laughing in their lives. The birds seldom sing and the joy bells seldom ring from their hearts. Only Jesus can fill that longing inside your soul. So I want to close with this illustration in which I find peace and joy and contentment written all through it. It's about something that happened at a truck stop. And it was told by the owner of the restaurant there. You know, a truck stop is where big 18-wheelers in the state pull in and have their big rigs, big trucks filled up and with gas and have the oil checked and and take care of any of the mechanics and the men, the drivers, the women can go in and and get hot meals and can shower because they're on the road so long. And so that's where this took place. The owner of the restaurant wrote about this. She says, I try not to be biased, but I have my doubts about hiring Stevie. His placement counselor assured me that he would be a good, reliable busboy, one who removes dirty dishes from the tables. But I had never had a mentally handicapped employee and wasn't sure I wanted one. I wasn't sure how my customers would even react to Stevie. He was short, a little dumpy, with the smooth facial features and thick-tongued speech of Down syndrome. I knew some people would be uncomfortable around Stevie, so I closely watched him for the first few weeks. I shouldn't have worried. After the first week, Stevie had my staff wrapped around his stubby little fingers, and within a month, my truck driver regulars had adopted him as their official truck stop mascot. After that, I really didn't care what anybody else thought about him. He was a 21-year-old, eager to laugh and eager to please, but fierce in his attention to his duties. Every salt and pepper shaker was exactly in its place. Not a bread crumb or coffee spill was visible when Stevie got done with the table. Our only problem was convincing him to wait to clean a table until after all the customers were finished. He would hover in the background, shifting his weight from one foot to the other, scanning the dining room until a table was empty. Then he would scurry to the empty table and carry 
and bust the dishes onto his cart and wipe the table with a practice flourish of his rag. He took pride in doing his job exactly right, and you had to love how hard he tried to please every person he met. Over time, we learned that Stevie lived with his mother, a widow who was disabled. They lived on their Social Security benefits in public housing two miles from the truck stop. Money was tight, and what I paid him was probably the difference between them being able to live together and Stevie being sent to a group home. That's why the restaurant was a gloomy place that morning last August, the first morning in three years that Stevie missed work. He was at the hospital getting a new valve put in his heart. A ripple of excitement ran through the staff later that morning when word came that Stevie was out of surgery, in recovery, and doing fine. Franny, my head waitress, let out a hoop and did a little dance in the aisle when she heard the good news. Dan, one of our regular truck drivers, stared at the sight of this 50-year-old grandmother doing a victory jig beside his table. He grinned. Okay, Franny, what was that all about, he asked. We just got word that Stevie is out of surgery and going to be okay, she replied. I was wondering where he was, Dan said. I had a new joke to tell him. What was the surgery about? Franny quickly told Dan and the other two drivers sitting at his booth about Stevie's heart surgery and then sighed. Yeah, I'm glad he's going to be okay, she said, but I don't know how he and his mom are going to handle all the bills. From what I hear, they're barely getting by as it is. Dan nodded nodded thoughtfully, and Franny hurried off to wait on the rest of her tables. I hadn't had time to round up a busboy to replace Stevie and really didn't want to replace him, so the waitresses were bussing their own tables. After the morning rush, Franny walked into my office. She had a couple of paper napkins in her hand and a funny look on her face. What's up, I asked. I didn't get to clear off that table where Dan and his friends were sitting before Pete and Tony came in and sat down there. But when I did, I found this napkin folded and tucked under a coffee cup. She handed the napkin to me, and when I opened it, three twenty bills fell out onto the desk. On the outside of the napkin in big bold letters was printed something for Stevie. Franny continued, Pete asked me what the excitement was all about and I told him. She handed me then another napkin that had something for Stevie scrawled on it. It came from another table. There fell out two fifty bills tucked within its folds. Franny looked at me with wet, shiny eyes, shook her head, and simply said, Truckers. That was three months ago. Today is Thanksgiving, the writer says. The first day Stevie is supposed to be back to work. His replacement worker said he's been counting the days until the doctor said he could work. 
It didn't matter at all that it was a holiday. In fact, he had called ten times the past week making sure we knew that he was coming back to work. I had arranged for his mother to bring him to work, met them in the parking lot, and invited them to celebrate the day with us. Stevie was thinner and paler, but he couldn't stop grinning as he pushed through the doors and headed for the back room where his apron and bus cart were waiting for him. Hold up there, Stevie. Not so fast, I said. Work can wait for a minute. To celebrate you coming back, breakfast for you and your mother is on me. I led them to a large corner booth. I could feel and and hear the rest of the staff following me from behind. We stopped in front of the big table. Its service was its surface was covered with coffee cups and saucers and plates, all sitting slightly crooked on dozens of folded paper napkins. First thing you have to do, Stevie, is clean up this mess, I said. Stevie looked at me and then at his mother, then pulled out one of the napkins. It had something for Stevie printed on the outside. As he picked it up, three $20 bills fell onto the table. Stevie stared at the money, then at all the napkins peeking from beneath the tableware, each with his name printed or scrawled on it. I turned to his mother. There's nearly $10,000 in cash and checks on that table, all from truckers and trunk trucking companies that heard about Stevie and your problems. Happy Thanksgiving, ma'am. Well, it got real busy that time and about that time and with everybody hollering and shouting, and there were a few tears as well. But you know what's funny? While everybody else was busy laughing and shaking hands and hugging each other, Stevie, with a big, big smile on his face, was busy clearing all the cups and the dishes from the tables. That young man is the best worker I ever had. And you know, friends, that young man had peace in his heart, something that some of you don't have today. But there's one that can give you peace. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Thank you for joining us today on the Gospel Lights broadcast. I praise that you have received a blessing from it, and I trust that you will join us um, this week from Tuesday evening at 7.30 on through Friday night at 7.30 p.m., and then for our marriage seminar on Saturday from 9 a.m. until 12 noon. We look forward to you sharing with us also on Sunday next week 
um, in the 11 o'clock service and the 6 p.m. closeout of our revival service with the Reverend Philip Gums and his wife as our evangelist. We thank you for joining us today and trust that this will be a blessed day and a blessed week for you until the next broadcast next week.